Well, uh, I've, I've got something real simple tonight. I want you to turn with us to Matthew, the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 13. And uh, I don't know why I've, I feel like I need to preach this in two parts, and I'll do part of it tonight, maybe tomorrow night I'll get part of it. And then again, we don't know how to turn out. But I've got a couple of verses here I want you to look at, three verses, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13. And uh, I want to look tonight at um, verse 44 down through verse 46. If you have found your places, would you stand with us, please, in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Please pray for us, Lord, and help us. Certainly without him, we know we can do absolutely nothing. And uh, I, I need him. You may not need him, but I need him. And I, I'll, I, I certainly hope he'll help us tonight as we look at these precious truths in the Word of God. Verse number 44, the words of our Lord Jesus. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's pray. Our heavenly Father, I bow here in your presence in the name of the Lord Jesus and I ask you, God, to look on us in mercy tonight. Lord, we appreciate the goodness of God that's been poured out this week in this meeting and how, Lord, you've ministered so much of your amazing grace to your people, saving folk, calling folk, and, Lord, meeting the needs of the radio station. We bless your name, Lord, for the privilege to be able to sit and get our souls fed and recharged with the word of God and the wonderful singing of the songs of Zion by talented and anointed singers, Lord, this week. How we have been blessed. God, you've just been so good and we bless your holy name. Now, Lord, would you touch us tonight and enable us? Lord, without you, we can do nothing. Please don't leave me to myself. I pray you'd speak through us what you won't said tonight and may you be glorified thereby. May the people of God be blessed. May sinners be saved. And Lord, may the work of God continue to progress. God, we'll give you the glory for all that's done. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And thank you. you may be seated. I want to preach tonight on this subject, what heaven deems precious. What heaven deems precious. These two parables have much in common. Both of them tell of precious things found and a tremendous price paid to secure them. Revealed in these two parables, brother and sister, are the things that are viewed in heaven as most precious. Not streets of gold, not walls of jasper, not precious foundation, not crystal stream, 
not the tree of life, but what heaven counts precious, more precious than anything else on earth, sea or sky or universe, heaven counts precious the redeemed people of God. And God would spend all and did spend all to secure them. The precious redeemed people of God. Now, I want to approach this in two parts as the Lord would enable us. And let's look at the first parable here. The first parable in verse 44 Note this is a parable and our Lord was a master at using parabolic language and teaching. In his teaching, he would take ordinary happenings and things that a people of his day were acquainted with and use them to express spiritual truths. And this parable was taken from an ordinary experience of life in that very land. For as you look at uh, here a treasure hid in the field, they, uh, in that hour, my friend, they uh, didn't have vaults and, and banks and uh, uh, places like that. Well, the king may have, but others, just ordinary people, uh, they would go and they would bury their treasures in the field. Uh, back yonder when the Great Depression hit and the uh, banks crashed. A lot of people from that time forth, they didn't trust the bank. They'd go out and they would hide it and bury it in uh, the field. Well, you might remember that there was a lot of marauding enemies uh, in that day that attacked Israel at times. Uh, and my friend, and so they wouldn't leave their treasures uh, in their houses or uh, someplace where they could get readily to them, but they would go and bury them in the field. And, uh, it, and as they would bury them in the field, uh, sometimes the owner of the field would die or get killed and, uh, and nobody would know about that treasure in the field. And here's an old boy that he's uh, out uh, walking through some fields one day and uh, he has to kick over a stone or something and uh, something catches his eye, a little glitter of a, of a little gold coin. And, and he digs there and he finds a treasure. And man, oh my, so he looks this way and he looks that way. Hey, how many of us haven't dreamed of going somewhere and finding a, a, a treasure or digging up a treasure? And maybe some of y'all got them little electronic gadgets and you're out trying to find a treasure? Who hasn't dreamed of that? Well, anyway, here is the scenario our Lord is taking. Here's a guy that he's walking in a field. Somehow or another, he discovers in a field that does not belong to him right now and, uh, and he finds this treasure and then he, and looking this way and that way, he hides it again. He buries it. He hides it in a place where only he knows where it's at and he goes 
and he sells everything that he has. And what's he do? He buys the field. But he's not interested in the field. He's not interested in the soil. He's interested in the treasure that is in the field. And so here is the parable uh, that is before us. And then notice, if you will, not only the parable here, but that which is precious here. Treasure hid in the field. Now what, what is this treasure that was so great that he would sell all to secure? Well, these two parables reveal a twofold mystery of two different objects that would be secured by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in both of these parables, my friend, it's not the sinner, my friend, that is uh, uh, trying to uh, purchase the field so he can be saved. No, no. Who's in view here is who has been in view through all of these parables, say maybe the one of the the woman hiding uh, uh, the the leaven in the measure uh, of uh, meal. But all of them, you had the sower. Who's the sower? Jesus is the sower. And my friend, listen, and here, I believe Jesus is that one walking in the field and my friend, and discovering a treasure. And here, he's the one that is willing to spend all to secure the treasure. Oh, yes, he is. Now, I know that's very simple, but this is what the Lord put on my heart. But I believe there's a two different uh, uh, points that are uh, presented here in these two parables. In the first parable, and by the way, let me say right off the bat that, listen, you can apply both of these parables uh, to any of the redeemed people of God uh, in any of the ages. Really, you could. But here I want you to see coming through, there is the redemption here, my friend, of this piece of property to get to the treasure And I would say that in this first parable, I see the nation of Israel. You see, God redeemed Israel and God redeemed the church. Oh, yes. And so in the first parable here, and by the way, this when I said a while ago what heaven deems precious and what heaven deems precious is his blood-bought people and whether classified as Israel in that dispensation or the church in this dispensation. But I want you to see here, friend, in this first parable, Israel is shining through. Now, look here, brother and sister, I see Israel as that peculiar treasure that the Lord comes and finds in the field. Psalms 135 and verse 4 says, For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. 
Do you get that? In the book of Exodus chapter 19 and verse five, the Lord speaking of Israel said, ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine. Now, I want you to notice not only the precious here, but know the place here. This treasure was hid in the field. And my, when you think about the field, what is the field? Well, if you go back in the same passage of Scripture, verse 38, the field is the world. Oh, yes. And my friend, I want you to know, I'm glad I love the Lord Jesus came down to this field. He, amen, he came into the world and the world knew him not. But he came down here where we sat. He came down here, brother and sister. He come down here to secure a treasure. Oh, yes, he did. And the Lord found Israel a treasure among the nations and such a treasure that he was willing to pay the price no matter what it cost. He was willing to pay the price price. Well, and I, I'll tell you what, you can't apply this to any of the redeemed in any dispensation, but the place here hid in the field. Now, again, let me mention the person here, again, the person here, which when a man hath found, that person is Christ. He's the finder. By the way, I didn't find him. He found me. I didn't seek him. He sought me. He came into this field. Oh, yes. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He ain't so much interested in this earth as he's interested in the treasure that he's found here. And oh, he found a treasure in Israel, the person here. Notice number five. Notice, if you will, the purchase here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth most everything he has. He says what? Selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. He goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. That word buyeth caught my attention. The word buyeth there is the Greek word agoriozo. And agoriozo means, my friend, to purchase uh, in the market or on the marketplace, but it is also translated uh, as redeemed. Amen, agoriozo. Amen, I'm telling you to pay a price. Uh, it, it means to buy in the market. It means to redeem. It means to purchase. Uh, and I'm glad, hallelujah, that I can say tonight that I have been redeemed. Amen, Amen. I am redeemed. Hey, agoriozo. Well, anyway, agoriozo uh, to purchase by paying a price. And that's what he did. So he went and he gave all. And Jesus didn't come to pay just a down payment. Bless God, he came and he gave all. He gave all of his blood. He gave his life. A redeeming grace of God at work in his giving of himself. And he gave all. 
He gave it all. A gariozo to purchase, purchase in the market. Another word that's kin to that is in redeemed in the scriptures in our New Testament is the word exagerizo has that little prefix which means to take out. Amen, you can see the picture here. I think probably in the book of Hosea, you can see this beautiful type. These words describe, uh, if you see Gomer, my friend, and she's gone out and played hard and left him, and now she's sold back on the slave market of sin. And here comes, uh, Hosea comes in, and my friend, and she's on the auction block. Uh, My friend, she's spent, her her beauty is gone. Uh, Her life is wrecked and she is wretched uh, uh, standing there my friend uh, before uh, on an auction block and Hosea amen purchase her amen to be his wife he buys her out of the market that's redeemed he redeems her out of the market Another word is exagerizo. And my friend, that word exagerizo means not only to buy in the market, but to buy in the market and take it out. I'm glad, bless God, he didn't just save me to leave me where I was at. He saved me to take me out. Amen. He took me out of the sin business. He brought me out of the slave market. Hallelujah. He set me free by paying a price. That's another word in the New Testament, exagerizo. And then you have the word lutro uh, in First Peter chapter one. Amen, you are redeemed, amen. Hey, hey, that word lutro means to set free by paying a price. All of these words, to buy, to purchase, to redeem, tells us that there is a transaction that takes place. A transaction now, brother and sister, when I think about, when I think, and I gotta say this with a reverence and with fear, when I think about what our Lord paid, oh, my soul, in his redeeming work, both for Israel and for the church, oh, my soul, he paid it all. Oh, goodness gracious. You know, I think about I was thinking about that, and I've given this little illustration here before. Lord, if you preach as much as I have, brother, uh, and brother Todd told me, just go ahead and preach it again. Amen. Y'all can stand it, so I'm going to do what he said. If you don't like it, go jump on him about it. But anyway, I was thinking about here. There's a bottle of that water. You go down, my friend, to the market, and there's that bottle of water, and it's a, Let's say that bottle of water is $1. Well, I got $1 and it's mine. That $1 is mine. But there's that something that I want. So, which do I want the most? The dollar or the prize? I need to take my shoes off right here. If I wasn't wearing boots, I would have. This gets on holy ground. Well, what I'm thinking about now, what did it take to purchase us? What kind of blood? It said said precious blood. Preacher, do you know anything in this world more precious than the blood 
of Jesus. Anything? Do you know? I do. He he was willing. He wanted that. Instead of having this. You listen. Hey, hey, hey. You were redeemed with precious blood. You was bought. He thought, hey, I didn't say I was worth it. You don't think you was worth it. But under God, I don't know why. He thought that we were worth it. So he paid the price. He gave it all. He'd rather have us. Hallelujah. He paid it all. Redeemed, redeemed. And God saw even in Israel something so precious that he was willing to spend all. Like I said in both of these parables, you can apply these truths to both Israel and the church, but primarily in this parable, I'm looking at Israel. Now, in John 11 and verse 31, when the high priest uh, said these words, that one must die for the nation, he was prophesying. And that's what Jesus did. He died for the nation of Israel. He gave himself. He paid it all. Amen. Number six, I want you to see not only the purchase here, but I want you to see the pleasure here in this verse. Look at it now. Back in the text now. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and look at that, and for joy thereof. He goeth, amen, for what what I'm saying, for joy thereof, he goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. It was no treasury, for him to pay the price. Of course there was the suffering. Of course he hated becoming sin. But what I'm saying is he had such a love, such an affection for you and for me and for his people that it was a joy. I read, I read in Hebrews 12 and verse two, looking unto Jesus the author and finish of our faith, who for, (laughs) that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God for the joy set before him. I see him coming into Jerusalem. He has his face set as a flint. He's looking beyond Calvary. He's looking, my friend, to what Calvary is going to purchase. Hallelujah. That's the reason he endured the cross. He had us in mind. Hallelujah. When he died that death, he did so to purchase us. 
I don't know, I, I didn't have this smart, but it's on my heart. I, back in Isaiah chapter 53, I was looking at a statement that is made there. Verse number 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Amen. How could God be pleased to bruise his son? Only one way he was pleased to take that bruise and to buy my poor, wretched, ungodly soul. I'm telling you what, Jesus paid it all. That's the message, amen. I declare unto you, he did it, and he did it with joy. Oh, my goodness gracious. Lord, you want me to go back and read a little bit more of that? Okay. Back to Isaiah 53. In verse 11, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. What was the travail of his soul? You and me. Our sin debt paid. Amen. Hey, when I, I'm telling you what, that was the travail of the cross. But hallelujah, he endured sin, what it would produce. It would save us. It would save us. And that's a precious thing in the sight of the Lord. Amen and amen. Oh, the Lord rejoices over his treasure. Now again, I want to make this special application to Israel. Because of Israel, it is said in Jeremiah 32, 41, the Lord said, Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. I will plant them in this land assuredly, and my whole heart, uh, and with my whole heart, and with my whole soul. Folk, God ain't done with Israel yet. You better leave your hand off of them, bless God. You better pray for them. You better, amen, bless them. If you won't bless instead of blasted, uh, amen. God made an everlasting covenant and a promise and it's still so right now. Amen. I don't care if the ragheads haven't got them outnumbered. Bless God. Israel's going to be a standing. God's going to hold them up. He ain't done with them yet. Amen. Now, right now, God's working with the church. But he ain't done with Israel yet. I gave this illustration before. I'm going to give it again. When you get 74, you give them over and over and over again. In fact, I might give it again tomorrow night. forgot I gave it tonight. Of all the things I'm missing as I get older, I'm missing my mind the most. But I would say this. Down there at uh, Liberty, South Carolina, there's a major train line that runs through there. And there's a, right there, 178, right in the middle of, of uh, Liberty, South Carolina, there's a, a two tracks. And I've come through there many a time, and down come the bars and the lights are flashing. And I remember one time, a brother and sister that here I coming through there, and here comes a, all of a sudden, here comes a freight train just pulling up. And he pulls over on a side track and blocks the whole backslid place. And you know how aggravating that can be when preachers have got to be somewhere. And uh, anyway, I won't go there, but it, it just shut. Oh, I get in a bad spirit, but I do, I really do. But God help us. But uh, anyway, that day, I noticed that train. 
that old freight train pull. And he just kept sitting there. And Brother Randy, you could hear his motor just, just, just idling there. I said, what are they doing? What are they doing? Just sitting there. And all of a sudden, I heard in the distance a horn blow, and here come a super passenger train on the main line, and he's a flying wide open about 70 miles an hour. Well, I got to thinking about that. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Israel, it's been like that freight train. Over the years, she's carried a load for God. Over the years, she's given a, the testimony. We have a Bible because of Israel. You better thank God for Israel. I said, we have a Bible because of Israel. We have a Savior that came through Israel. Over the years, Israel carried the load for God. But when she didn't recognize the time of her visitation, God pulled Israel off on a sideline. And by the way, I'm gonna run ahead of me in my message right here. This is not homiletically sound, but I want you to see this treasure. It's hid again. It's hid again. I mean, hey, hey, he didn't just take the treasure out. He hid it again. Well, Israel's like that old freight train pulled off. And what God did, he pulled her off on a sideline. And blindness in part has happened unto Israel because they didn't recognize the time of their visitation. And you say, well, well, well what's God doing? I'll tell you what's happening, bless God. What's happening right now, Israel's on a sidetrack, but there's a super passenger train called the Church of the Living God right now. We're on the main line. Hallelujah, wide open, heaven bound with the hammer down. And you know what's gonna happen? Won't be long that the passenger train is gonna take an upward spur. Woo! Did you hear what I said? An upward spur. Woo! And we're gonna be out of here. And then as I sit there and that passenger train was gone, he got out of the way. Then that old man, that old freight train got back on the main line. Bless God. When the church is gone, God's still gonna have. Amen. A witness in this world. Hallelujah, folk. I'm telling you what. Listen, God is not done with Israel. I love Isaiah 62, 4. God made a promise. Thou shalt no more be turned forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hezbollah, and thy land Beulah. <laughs> For the Lord delighteth in thee. Amen. And thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. God is not done with Israel. Amen. And so you have the pleasure here. With joy he goes and sells all that he has and uh, all that he hath and buyeth that field. And uh, he is 
brother and sister right now, postponing Israel. As I just aforementioned, he is, Israel is God's earthly treasure. First found, it is hidden. That's, oh yeah, first found speaks of its lowly beginning. But twice hidden speaks of that season we're in right now where they are in unbelief. But hallelujah, the Lord is absent right now, but when he comes back to the field. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's coming back to the field. Now he's gonna come to the air and get us. But after that, he's coming back to the field. I'm telling you, he's gonna touch down on Mount of Olives and it's gonna split asunder and bless God, he's gonna fight the battle and my friend destroy the armies of the enemy with a sword of his mouth and bless God, he's gonna rescue his peculiar people, Israel, especially that believing remnant. Hallelujah, a peculiar treasure. He's coming back to Israel, amen. God's not finished with them. Zechariah 2.12, the Lord shall inherit Judah his portion in the Holy Land and shall choose Jerusalem again. Hallelujah for that. Amen. Just to remind you scripturally, maybe some of these young people don't know what's going on right now. Israel did not recognize their Messiah and they have suffered like no other nation has suffered for 2,000 years and they're going to have an awful time of increased and multiplied suffering in the time known as Jacob's trouble. Not the church's trouble, but Jacob's trouble. Why? Because of their unbelief. Paul wrote this in Romans and I just read it and I'm done. Let's have the, the family come back and sing us a song here. Get ready for the invitation. Uh, this is just the first part of this message. I want to get to the rest of it tomorrow. The Lord help us with it. You pray, Lord, help us. I told you it would be simple. And I know a lot of you preachers know all of this stuff. This is all that's on my heart. And I don't know what else to do but just give you what God gives me. But Romans eleven twenty five, 25, Paul said, For I would not have you, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. It is a mystery. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part... Now, I've got to say this. God's still saving some Jews along the line. He is. And it seems like there's more getting saved here as this thing comes down to the close. It does seem that way. That blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Amen. Oh, yes. And so all Israel shall be saved as it's written there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from J Jacob for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. I'm telling you what, brother and sister, he's coming again and, and he's going he's gonna to take and save that nation. They're going to be born in a day. Hallelujah. They're going to look on him whom they pierce and they'll weep over him like one weeping over his only son. And my friend, they're going to be born in a day and God's going to take them. And my friend, he's going to sit on the throne of David and rule this world with a rod of iron. Amen. 
going to repopulate this earth and we the saints of God coming back with him are going to rule and reign with him. Hallelujah. I'm glad that he loved me so and he gave his all that I could be saved. I want to ask you something. If Jesus was to come right now, would you be ready to meet him? He's coming again. Amen. He's coming again. He's coming again. He's coming again. He's coming for his treasure. I'll get with that tomorrow night. He's coming for his treasure. Oh, yeah, he's headed this way to get the pearl. He's on his way, children, to get the pearl. Oh, yes. He's coming back to the earth to get the treasure. He's coming for the pearl here real quick. And amen, seven years before he comes for the treasure, he's going to come get the pearl. Y'all know where I'm going, don't you? Can I ask you, are you ready to meet him? Are you born again? Have you been saved by the grace of God? Can I tell you, when you think about what Jesus did in both of these parables, you find the, the price total, all they had. He gave himself. He gave it all. You think God is going to let you trample underfoot the blood of his son and not send you to hell? I'm telling you what, friend, one of the most grievous insults to God is not receiving his son by soul. There's condemnation to those that will not believe. Hey, if you're here tonight and you've never been saved, there is a hell to son. God will send you to hell if you reject his son. But wouldn't it be awful to reject heaven? when it's been totally paid for by the precious blood of Christ. It's not our works, it's his work. He paid it all. How can you turn that down? How can you turn that down?